That's it. There it went. 16 consecutive years of Stanley Cup playoff appearances. The longest such active streak in all of professional sports is no longer active in the name of Jeff Carter. And yes, I'm oversimplifying it. Just stick with me. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. Well, you've got no choice but to follow Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates that I do every day as well. The Islanders beat the Canadians last night 4-2 to in Elmont, New York, and that is that. The Penguins game tonight in Columbus, Ohio is 100% moot, except, of course, for the Blue Jackets, who have everything to lose if they don't lose, meaning their pursuit of Connor Bedard and the best odds of getting him in the NHL draft lottery. And the Penguins are going to, I don't know, I'm going to cover it. That's what I do. And also, it's an opportunity to see how at least a couple of those guys who can't even fathom what it'd be like to miss the playoffs are going to be experiencing it, are going to be going out onto the rink and having that stupid cannon blow and everything else, knowing that the game that they're playing in means nothing. And not in the good sense, the way it's been some years where they clinch so early that they can just kind of go through the motions. And that's not this. That's not this. Because after... After this game tonight, they're just another team. They're just another set of guys who put away their skates and watch the playoffs on TV. And it's, in in a way, mind-boggling for me that it's come to this. But then in watching it unfold over the course of six months, it's not at all. We saw periods where this team looked like it would be competitive, especially from Thanksgiving to Christmas, that one month in which they were, in every measurable way, the NHL's best team. They had a couple injuries. They had nowhere to go with it, and all their actual weaknesses became exposed, those being mostly on the third and fourth lines. And they decided... And I'm not going to split this part up. I've gone at Hextall pretty hard this week, uh, both here and in print, uh, openly and publicly calling for his firing. This I'm not going to split up. Because at any point, around the time that that specific struggle had begun to manifest itself, and it was clear that it was killing the team, Do you know how many different people could have done something to stop it and didn't? You want me to run through the list for you? I'll I'll start. I'll start. We'll work our way down. And I'm I'm not even touching the Fenway Sports Group, guys, because I don't want a bunch of Red Sox fan flying in twice a year and saying, hey, it's about time we change up the third and fourth line. So no thanks. Leave them out, which is actually where they are anyway. Just leave them out. Brian Burke could have done something about it. He could have said, hey, in my 
titular role here as the president of hockey operations. I hereby do declare or override vetoes or whatever it is that a president of hockey operations does that this third and fourth line is unacceptable. And we need to do better because we're getting the most we can out of the top six. We're getting absolutely nothing from the bottom six. So here, here's my here's my stamp and my uh, my approval. All right, go do it. Didn't happen. Hextall, we've been over. He was the one who got these guys. And then there's Mike Sullivan, who's absolutely not blameless in any of this. But specifically when it comes to this, because if anybody doubted, even for a split second, that Sullivan wasn't on board with the idea of playing Carter and Brian Dumoulin when Duma was struggling and Brock McGinn and Kasperi Kapp and everything, those all went out the window that night at Madison Square Garden where I asked him why he never benches those guys. And everyone got to see that emotional, and I do mean emotional, response from him. He wasn't faking it. He wasn't taking one for the GM. He was 100% on board to the extent that I wondered if he was the guy who was keeping them in more so than the guys over his head. You want another one? Don't bite my head off on this one. You come to this show for real stuff, all right? Where was Sid? There's no potentially louder voice in this entire scenario than that of Sidney Crosby. He doesn't have to come and say it to me. In fact, that'd be pretty unprofessional. But he can certainly find a way to convey whether it's to the coaches or to the GM or to the president of hockey operations, or, you know, he could go catch a Red Sox game and talk to the Fenway sports group guys. I'm sure they would make some time for him between innings. And he could tell them, Hey, this is killing us. What are you guys doing here? What are, what are we, what are we supposed to do as players? You know, we take two really good shifts and then there's two completely trash shifts after that. And the pucks back in our net. What are we doing here? But Sid doesn't believe in that. Sid sees that as some sort of betrayal or treachery or whatever, the hockey culture, and Sid would never break a code. I had to deal with that with him directly a few times earlier in his career when he would tell me stuff, but then he didn't want it to go anywhere. And then it was just, he's, he's not that guy, okay? But sometimes I think you got to be. You got to be. And where does that leave this team? Were they afraid of Jeff Carter? Were they intimidated by him? I'm speaking more symbolically here than anything. What was the big deal? What was so challenging about approaching McGinn at some point and telling him, dude, you haven't scored a goal in 30 games and you don't hit anything. You don't really do anything other than block the occasional shot on the PK. You're out of here, man. Why would that take two and a half months? As Gino mentioned to me a couple nights ago, the two points that we blew in October or November or December or January or whatever, those meant just as much as the two points we just blew here, meaning against Chicago. And if you had taken this same 
serious approach that at least eventually got, you know, uh, McGinn and Kapanen out of here, you might have made a difference back when it would have mattered. But you didn't. And you never offended Carter along the way, never made him uncomfortable. And I guess, hey, if that was the goal, congratulations, fellas. You know, have a have a post-game celebration over it tonight at Nationwide Arena. When we come back, J1Q. Today's J1Q comes from... Alex Stripsky, who asks, DK, plain and simple, where do the Penguins go from here? No playoffs. I know it's kind of a loaded question, but it's hard to see a direction with this current management that will result in improvement. You can't go forward with current management. I mean, I feel like ending the answer right there just for dramatic effect, but you can't. You can't. I've been asked whether it's, uh, you know, people responding to this show or, you know, on DK Pittsburgh Sports, I had a live question session there with readers yesterday. And there was, boy, there was just question after question. Well, what do you think is going to happen with Jason Zucker? What do you think is going to happen with Tristan Jari? What do you think is going to happen with this or that? And think about this for a second. If you don't know who the GM is going to be, how can you even begin to speculate on such a thing, on any of those things? You just don't know. I have to believe. I want to believe. It's probably the better phrasing for it. That someone, anyone in Boston was paying attention to this. I know that John Henry wasn't. I'm pretty sure that Tom Werner wasn't, although he made it here twice, whereas Henry only made it here once. And they got some underling here advising them on what's happening. That's not the same thing. You know that. I know that. Imagine Art Rooney sending an underling to Steelers games to tell him what's going on, Steelers practices. Heck, Bob Nutting couldn't be more vilified in this town if he were setting buildings on fire, but I'll bet you people would still find a new level of emotion about him if he was sending liaisons to Pirates games. I mean, we would have gotten mad at Mario. If Mario was sending liaisons, you wanted Mario at the game. You felt better every time that camera was trained on him at some point on the broadcast. You go, hey, there's 66. Look at that. That's really cool. Looks good. Natalie's there. Awesome. Everything's great. There's Pierre LaRouche. They care. They're invested, not just monetarily. They're actually invested in what's happening down there on the ice. You want that. In Pittsburgh, We've never had anything but, if you think about it, not to start dragging you through the whole city sports history and everything else here, but for all three of our teams, all three of them, you've had some kind of uh, family or direct connection type ownership throughout, throughout, even when the Pirates had to get bought up by this odd conglomerate to keep them here in the 90s. Uh, The odd conglomerate was made up of a bunch of local officials, including the mayor at the time, the local newspaper. Uh, There were people who were invested. That's not what this is. That's not what this is. Fenway Sports Group put up a price that they felt was fair, that they thought they could 
cash out on someday. And oh, by the way, what pushed them across the line was that they had access to all this wonderful dirt across the street, meaning the largest undeveloped continuous parcel of land in the country where the Civic Arena stood. That's what got them. They couldn't care less about any of this. So how do I, how do I know? How do you know? What do you want? What, what, I'm asking this nicely, okay? But like, what do you want me to say to what they might do about this or that or what direction they'll take when I can't get past point A, which is that they've, they've got to fire this general manager. They've got to start over. And given how lockstepped Hextall and Brian Burke were, I don't know how you, Dump one and keep the other. I don't, I mean, they were the same guy for all intents and purposes. We'll see, I guess. We'll see. I appreciate the question. Again, I'm heading to Columbus. I'm going to cover the, I was about to say regular season finale, but the season finale against the Blue Jackets. And we will do this again tomorrow. Tomorrow.